thank you, Lord Jesus, for shining the light of salvation, not only on the world, but the light of salvation has shined in my heart because I now know Jesus. Somebody ought to thank him before that. Somebody ought to give him praise, give him praise. Amen, 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 Sister Lucinda. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, we're so blessed, so blessed by the gifts of the Spirit that are operational in our church. And we are definitely asking for all hands on deck. We need your help. I'm liking that sweater, Brother Evans. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We need all hands on deck and whatever your spiritual gifts are. Uh, don't wait for somebody to ask you. Uh, there's things to, that need to be done. We need your help. We really need your help. Uh, we also want to encourage you to continue to join us for the first 15 minutes. Uh, we're meeting the Lord as a church in prayer. And what a dynamic time that has been. And uh, we haven't taken the opportunity to really share the answers to our prayers. Uh, but one of the answers to prayers for many years is Sister Tanisha has become a foster parent. Uh, her home has been uh, qualified to house children. What a great prayer. What a great prayer. We have been praying for the Santa Fe's, one of the missionary couples that we support in Guatemala. And uh, we want to continue to pray for this baby that was prematurely born. There's some medical issues that we are believing the Lord is going to completely uh, heal and cure. Uh, we also are aware that there's some people in our extended family uh, that are in the hospital suffering with COVID and other diseases. Uh, the COVID uh, cases have risen again, but thank God that as we continue to um, operate under the leadership of Elder Gray and the elders of our church. We have been able to exercise safe distancing, mask wearing, temperature taking, hand washing, and just being precautious. And I'm not uh, trying to tell anyone what to do, but I do highly recommend that if you have not received your vaccination that you should uh, to protect yourself. And if you haven't been boosted, uh, schedule that, schedule that. I don't want a needle for any reason under the heaven. But I was the first person in my family to get vaccinated because I wanted to be the example of not the lack of faith, but because uh, I take other medications. I have no idea. I just, the doctor prescribed it. I, I order it, put it in with the pharmacist, and I take it, and I'm still alive. Amen. And amen. And when I, amen, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Uh, amen. So we may not fully understand. I do trust uh, the science and and the, uh, uh, unfortunately, we've politicized something that shouldn't be. Our country is so divided. And because of that, we are still in this pandemic. We, it should be in our rear view mirror by now. I'm going to ask you to give me a little more volume with the uh, here. Praise the Lord. Uh, I am definitely praying for each and every one of you. And if you are not joining us for prayer, and can, you should. It is life-changing. It really sets the tone for our day. Don't want to call anybody out, but Sister Caitlin just led us to the throne of grace. Amen. 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 I just was so, my heart was so uh, warmed by her prayer and just the seriousness in her relationship with Christ. What a blessing. 
What a blessing. Amen. 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 Uh, I don't think I'm leaving anything out, but we are excited. You are welcome to return to the building, uh, uh, family of God, and we are going to get in the scriptures, but uh, the building is open, and if you are able, you should be here. There's nothing that really substitutes for the in-person worship. Amen? Amen. Amen. He said that with a lot of enthusiasm. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Uh, we are in the book of Numbers, and uh, I want you to turn to Numbers chapter 11 uh, in the Old Testament. When you found it, say amen. 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 I just want to rest, have you rest your eyes after hearing Sister Lucinda sing so powerfully about the joy of the joy to the Lord, and et cetera, and I'm going to be talking about depression today. Amen, amen. The Christmas sermon is coming next Sunday. Amen, amen. And this is still in the, the spirit of Christmas. Uh, Numbers chapter 11, and I want you to look at verse 15. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now if I have found favor in your sight and do not let me see my wretchedness, let us pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we're so grateful to be in the house today. I thank you for each and every person that has made their way out into uh, this place we call the church for public and corporate worship. We're grateful for, to see them and to, to be able to hear them lift up their voices to uh, Zion, uh, the holy hill of God. Father, I thank you for every leader that we have in our church. I especially want to just lift up our elders, oh God, uh, who constantly hold up my arms, who, who have been given gifts of wisdom and administration, and who have a love for this flock and a desire to please you. Lord, I lift up every deacon of this church. God, I pray as you would continue to use them to minister to the body of Christ. God, may they never misunderstand uh, the value of the call on their life to serve, to serve. And Lord, we ask that you would just continue to stir up that desire in their hearts. And now, God, take this word, take this word, Lord, and minister to our hearts as only you can. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. We thank the Lord again. What a privilege, what a privilege it is to be the pastor of this great church and um, to know that it's because of God's mercy and his grace Paul said, but for the grace of God, so go I. And Jeremiah put it like this, his mercies are new. Every day, great is thy faithfulness, and it is because of his mercies we're not consumed. Amen? I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. Amen. This last Thursday, I stood in the room of a man who was dying. His wife was at the bedside holding his hand. He was in his early 60s. And I introduced myself as a pastor, as a chaplain, a hospice chaplain. We began to talk. And she shared with me that they had been married for 43 years and that he had been a wonderful husband. She added that she is most grateful that her husband is a born-again believer 
and that he lived a life devoted to serving Christ. And she said, that is my, my comfort that I know that my husband is going to be with the Lord. And so I switched topics and I said, do you have any children? And she began to cry. She said, we have three children. One of our sons recently committed suicide. The other was in Washington on January 6th participating in insurrection. She said, while he had been a professing Christian, now he is an avowed atheist. He has flunked the 12th grade three times. While he is an exceptional, academically gifted child, he is still in the eighth grade and he's 20 years old. A 12th, he's in 12th grade and he's 20 years old. She said, my son has not bathed in weeks. He plays video games until the early morning hours and sleeps most of the day. And when he is up, he leaves the house to be with his friends that are engaged in heavy drug abuse. And she just began to cry uncontrollably as she shared about her heartbreak over her children. And she said, my daughter doesn't call us anymore. And even though she knows that her father is dying, she refuses to visit. That caught my attention because I read an article on Friday, uh, the attorney general, or the surgeon general of America uh, published an article and did interviews, and he sounded a national alarm. And he indicated that over 140,000 children have lost parents and grandparents who were caregivers during the pandemic. 140,000 relatives will not be at the dinner table on Christmas. He also indicated that the emergency visits for attempted suicides by girls has risen to an all-time high of 51%. Now, what's interesting about that, he doesn't say how many young males have attempted suicide, because if you add to the 51%, that's going to increase the number of adolescents who are trying to not just talk about suicide, but they've actually made an attempt to end their lives. Doesn't talk about all of the adults that have run, stepped in front of trains or jumped out of windows or over-sedated themselves intending to kill them, themselves during the pandemic. What I'm trying to say is that people are depressed. And we see the evidence of that on airplanes with where grown, seemingly well-mannered and informed people, the first time you ask them to put on a mask, they become violent and irrational. Uh, at the drop of the hat, uh, people are quick to, to
to just gun you down. And while we focus on the behavior, behind it is this thing called the voice of depression. The voice of depression speaks loudly during the holiday season. That's why if you can invite somebody to your house, they're college students that don't have anywhere to go. There are people that are recently divorced that are going to be home alone for the first time. There are seniors who are isolated who would love to come and sit at a table. Uh, yes, you can invite all of the regular, normal people that would come, but there are people that, that are being marginalized and overlooked that would love somebody just to invite them. The voice of depression is speaks very loudly during the holiday. It tells you that no one understands you. No one cares. Things are not going to get better. You can't take much more, the voice of depression said, you can't take much more there. Eat another bowl of ice cream. Stay home from work. Isolate yourself from others. Don't come to church. Don't get on the prayer line. I mean, after all, if the church really cared, they would be calling me. If they really were spiritually discerning, they would know that even though I'm smiling, I'm dying on the inside. We, the church should be like God. Well, we can be like God, but we will never be God. And the only one who is God, he is omniscient. He knows everything. We know some things. The voice of depression says there's nothing merry about joy to the world. Depression is an emotional condition that can be temporary or chronical or chronic. You can be temporarily sad or chronically sad. Chronic depression or man um, chronic depression is a condition of sadness and, and feelings of hopelessness that extends be for six months or longer, where you every single day you are experiencing sadness and feelings of hopelessness. Now, someone has described depression as anger turned inward. You're really angry, but you have no way to voice the anger, and so you turn it inward, and your stomach takes count. Your, 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 your mind suffers from the feelings that should be expressed, you are suppressing them. And that suppression leads to grief and mourning, etc. Now, if you turn to any standard version of the Bible, you're not going to find the word depression. But here are some words that the Bible uses for depression. Downcast, sad, forlorn, discouraged, downhearted, mourning, troubled, miserable, despairing, downcast. What we need to do is to learn how to silence the voice of depression. I remember as I was relocating to Niagara Falls and as the time was getting closer to moving to a place that I only, the only thing I knew about it was the Three Stooges where they had that episode, Niagara Falls, slowly I turned, step by step. And 
And I'm moving closer, getting, getting ready to move my family uh, to quit my job, leave our home, uh, to go to a church that had really, had, had, had really um, dwindled down to 21 members. And so I'm believing that the Lord wants us to go. And just before I, I got so stressed about not possibly being able to take care of my family, that I began to experience heart palpitations. My heart began to flutter, literally. And so I sat down and tried to talk myself into not making my heart return to rhythm. It didn't. The ambulance came, and I, I was foolish enough not to understand what was going on. I didn't get on this stretcher. I wasn't doing that. So I walked into the ambulance. I sat down. And then when I got there, they said, sir, you're not leaving here tonight. You cannot get your heart back on the rhythm. And when you, your heart is fluttering from AFib, that means that blood is hardening around the arteries and you could stroke out at any time. So I, I laid down and I was okay. But following that experience, I had to be on medication for 30 days. And I was a young, relatively young man. That, more, that caused me to be depressed that I possibly had a heart condition. So this medical situation in my life, after I made this difficult decision, caused me to be depressed. And so sometimes if you have a medical crisis, something goes wrong with your body, uh, you end up laid off or can't pay a bill. Or, and I would remind all of you during this time, people are desperate. They're, they're hijacking cars and stealing credit card numbers. If you get your credit card stolen, that can cause depression. So we want to be uh, extra vigilant, but the point is that depression is something that can be prolonged or temporary, and it leaves us feeling sad, overwhelmed, and feeling that things are not going to get better, even when it's temporary. We, our, our day is literally overtaken by this feeling of sadness. Now. As we turn our attention to the scriptures today, I want you to notice that Moses, in verse 15, was so depressed that he literally asked God to take his life. He said, God, I want you to operate in the capacity of Dr. Kevorkian, pull the plug. I'm ready to check out. And he describes himself. He says, I no longer want to see my wretchedness. And so when you are in the throes of depression, it causes your view of yourself to be distorted. And so he says, I'm wretched. I, I don't want my life is not worth living. I wish I had never been born. Take me out of here. Now, there's some things that I want to share with you about Moses' experience that I believe we can learn for ourselves. And as we go forward, one of the things when you are going through depression, men are problem solvers, and when women tend to be better listeners, at least initially. Depressed people don't need answers. They don't need you to solve their problem. They just need somebody <laughs> to listen. And that can be very difficult when you see that somebody hasn't bathed in a week 
or longer, not brushing their teeth, not eating, not attending to personal uh, hygiene matters. You want to intervene. You want to force and make something different happen. And sometimes the best thing you can do is what Job's, five, what Job's three friends did. They sat with him for a week and never opened their mouths. So the first thing that I want you to discover about depression, silencing its voice, is you and I are not exempt. Spiritual giants and baby Christians alike can be tripped up by the voice of depression. Depression is not exclusively an experience that women encounter. Men, women, boys and girls, all from time to time, you're going to experience some sadness. You're going to feel some disappointment. You're going to feel like not getting up. You're going to look out and the, you, the rainy day is not just outside. The rainy day is in your heart. We all encounter that. And as I was doing this sermon, I said, I don't know if Brother Tim ever gets sad. Did this dude ever get sad? And I'm sure in his own way. And, and that, what a blessing. What a, what, a, what a constant he is. I don't know if Brother Gray ever gets sad. It's very rare to see Elder Gray. He's always on his, you know, just even kill. Thank the Lord for that. But if you're human, you are going to feel those times of just weariness, misery, and sadness, and gloom. Moses, the Bible says, heard the voices. He heard the people weeping throughout the families in verses 10 and 11 of chapter 11. Everyone at, his, at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also, watch, listen to the emotional expressions as we read through this. Here, catch the emotions that Moses is experiencing that help you to see the symptoms of a man who is depressed. The Bible says, and Moses also was displeased. He was discouraged, distressed. So Moses said to the Lord, why have you, here it is, afflicted me? Why have you burdened me? Why have you dropped this heaviness on me? I'm your servant. And why have you found no favor? God, you obviously are angry with me. You're punishing me. You with, you with, you're withholding your blessing. You have not found favor in me. In your sight, I have no favor. And you have laid this burden of all the people on me. It's on me. It's not going to get better if I don't work for five extra hours. It's not going to get better if I don't do this, if I don't do that. And depression makes you feel like there's always something you've got to be reaching for. And what you have to reach for is a little beyond your ability to reach it. So Moses was in the center of God's will, while at the same time he was under the attack of depression, in the center of God's will. He never signed up to lead, any, lead anybody out of Egypt. God called him, and now here he is dealing with people who can never be satisfied, and he has been captured by the, by the voice of depression. Depression pursued Moses until it finally caught him and and, and, and grabbed him and, and held him in bondage. Depression is like a, a, a song that is on continuous play. 
And when you are depressed, you find yourself crying. And you don't even know why you're crying. And you got to stop crying. The more you stop crying, the more you cry. Sometimes the heaviness and the burden can be so great that you literally cry until there are no more tears. I don't know if you've ever experienced that where you cried so hard that your eyes are literally swollen shut. I never knew what that was like until I went through my valley. Cried until the, my eyes literally could not open. Depression will make you cry, make you overly sensitive, make you ag easily agitated. You don't even know why you're upset. You don't know why you're being resistant. You don't know why you're questioning. You don't know why you're pushing back. You don't know why you don't want to be bothered. And if you look a little closer, you're feeling the affliction. You're feeling the burden. You're feeling the lack of favor. All of the things that Moses was feeling, you are, mas uh, you are manifesting, if you, if you look, the same symptoms. As we understand that none of us are exempt, I want to say that depression is not a sin. It's how you respond when you are feeling sad. One of my favorite passages of scripture is Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. David said, like a deer who pants after water, my heart desires you. And we, we, we sing about, as a deer pants for water, my heart desires you, and et cetera. That's it's a great worship song. But in verse 3, David says, my tears have been the food, my food all day and night. While people say to me uh, all day long, where is your God? Verse 3, these things I remember as I poured out my soul, how I used to go to the house of the Lord under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive crowds. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you depressed? Why so disturbed within me? So David was depressed, but here, look, watch how he responds. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So depression is not a sin, but, and, and David was real. He said, Lord, I, I'm just wiped out. I just can't shake this thing. Yeah, I desire like a deer to be in your presence and to have worship, but here I am. I'm, I'm running for my life. All I did was say yes to your call of anointing on my life. In every sense, my life has been a living hell. Put your hope in God. Well, I will yet praise him. I believe you can praise God when you're feeling sad. I believe you can praise God when your heart is heavy and you're burdened and you can't understand and you just seem to not be able to break loose. David said, yet will I praise him. I would love to be in the temple. I would love to be in the house of worship. But when I can't get there, I can praise God right where I'm at. In the midst of my valley and shadow of death, Depression should never be ignored because it's dangerous. Most people who commit suicide are depressed. Those children that are gunning down their peers when they, when they don't kill themselves and they get evaluated, the first thing that the doctor determines, this boy, this girl 
was depressed. So people who commit suicide and homicide, kill others, are most often depressed when they do it. Never minimize when someone says that I've been depressed. The question is how long? How long? And we have to ask, do you feel like hurting yourself? It's like, why do I have to ask that in this place? Yeah, I do. But because I can't lift my arms, I can't overdose on medication. If I could, a lot of the people that I'm, I'm dealing with. Now, the solution, parents, when your son or daughter who may not be able to articulate as an adult can their feelings of sadness, you just see their depression through rebellious behavior. Kids are just jumping on teachers and violently attacking their, their classmates, operating out of returning back to school after the pandemic, but many of them are just depressed. The solution to that is not to buy them an, an assault rifle and then go teach them how to use it so they can feel better. Now you just taught them how to use it so they can kill somebody while they're depressed. Because when you are depressed, you're not rational. I don't, I, I, I don't understand why any parent would buy their child a gun. That makes no sense. I'm still trying to figure out why we, we know why, I know why you buy cell phones. I get it. But even cell phones can be as deadly as guns because a lot of the controversy that leads people to make bad decisions and feel depressed about themselves is happening on social media. We weaponize phones. As I've already said, depression is a common experience. When Jacob was told that, that Joseph had been murdered by animals, by his lying ten sons, they told him when they, when they really had sold Joseph into slavery because they were jealous of them, him and they hated him, they came home and told their dad, well, here's his bloody tunic that you gave him. He was devoured by lions, the, 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 by wild animals. And Joseph, the Bible says, he said, all these things are against me, and he was depressed from the day Joseph died until he saw him again 15 years later. When Rachel uh, followed her husband out of, out, of, out of their homeland, and during the time that she and her husband with their, her two sons and her daughter-in-laws were away, her husband died, her two sons died, and the Bible says that Rachel said, don't call me Rachel anymore, call me Mara, call me bitter. That she was depressed because her husband died and her two sons and, and one of the two daughter-in-laws went back to be with, their, with her people. Ruth was depressed. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. He could very easily be called the depressed prophet. This boy cried all the time. This was the one who said, Lord, I'm quitting. I'm turning my resignation in. Every time I get a fax from heaven or a text from heaven, it's about woe and doom and destruction and despair. I didn't sign up for this. He said, Lord, I'm out. I'm quitting. Do not disturb. And he said, when I tried to keep quiet, he said, your word was like fire. Shut up in my bones. I could not help but tell it. But he told it in tears because every time he shared, he was either arrested, put in a cistrum, uh, deprived of food, fed bread and water, beaten. That was his ministry. Jeremiah is the longest living prophet in the Old Testament. He had not one convert. The Lord even told him he couldn't get married. He had no children. 
That was the call of Jeremiah. How would you like to have his call? Jeremiah knew what depression was. Uh, the apostle Peter, he, he, de he denied Jesus. Lord, I don't care what the rest of those dudes do. I was going to say something else. But I don't care what they do. I don't care what they say. I die for you. And he intended to. He pulled out his little switchblade, and he used it. Cut the brothers. He cut the guard's ear off. See? See, Jesus? Let's go down. Let's, get, let, let, let's go down. And Jesus reaches down, and he picks up the guard's ear and puts it back. Jesus, oh, I don't know nothing about this kind of fighting. <laughs> I, 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 I'm from Galilee. We don't fight like that. And the Bible says that he denied Jesus three times. He was so depressed by his decision to deny Jesus that he literally resigned from the ministry. The apostle Paul understood depression. He battled with it. The great apostle Paul, the prolific writer, the theologian, the Pharisee of the Pharisees from the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day and all of the, the great things about Paul. He says in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, and sisters about the trouble we experienced in the providence of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we were despaired even for life itself. Indeed, we felt like we had received the death sentence. But, with, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. He said we were, we were, we were uh, dis in despair. We thought we had, we felt like, he's in his emotions. I felt like I was going to die. I felt like God sent me here as a death sentence. Paul understood depression. Now, you need to also know that one of the main causes of depression are the people you, you associate with. Moses had the privilege of uh, pastoring millions, two million stiff-necked, rebellious, hard-hearted Israelites that he had to see every single day. Uh, Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. We're not going to read all those verses. I do encourage you to read those verses. And remember, as we're going through this, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, the Bible warns us about the attack of the voice of depression. The Bible says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of life. You need to protect your heart from being attacked by depression. And so you need to know, too, the main causes are people, are often people. It's not the only cause. Uh, women can experience postpartum depression. Just had a woman murder her uh, four-month-old baby, stabbed the baby, and she's been going through postpartum depression. Now, I don't know all the details, but after women have babies, something happens to them emotionally. It's a chemical response. Some women actually hate what they birthed for that moment. Uh, Susan Yates killed four babies in Houston. Now, this includes the people that I'm talking about, significant relationships where you are involved with people by choice or otherwise. Sometimes you don't, you don't get to choose who you work with. Now, he lists the kind of people that were, in, in, as we look at Numbers chapter 11, here's some of the kind of people that can really be that voice of depression in your ears. The first group of people are malcontents uh, that, that can trigger depression. Listen at what the scripture says in verses one and two. I'm just gonna read a portion of it. it. says, when the people complained, 
it displeased it just it displeased the Lord. A malcontent is a whiner, a complainer. Somebody's always talking about how bad things are, but they don't seem to take the ne necessary steps to go to the people that can change their circumstance. They just like to talk about how bad stuff is. Complaining has become a national hobby for Americans. We actually watch news all day, as long as we can watch, to, for people to tell us how bad it is and what can't be done about it. <laughs> Some of these, uh, uh, real, uh, what do you call it, real life or life, what do you call these uh, soap operas that we watch? Reality TV. It's a bunch of people complaining about how mad, how angry they are, how disappointed they are. And we sit and we absorb and take all that in. We get all this negative information. And so malcontented people can cause you to be depressed because that spirit spreads. The Bible says when God heard their complaints, it angered him. I want you to know it's okay when you have a legitimate criticism or, or concern or even a complaint. What makes it legitimate is that a wrong has occurred and you are taking the necessary steps to correct it. But if you're just sitting around the water cooler talking about how you hate your job and how you can't stand your boss and why they always asking me and why the line is so long, why don't they have three three cashiers instead of two. And, and before you know, that's a whole conversation in why, why, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? Why is gas 318 instead of 317? And, okay. So malcontented people, just be around people complaining all the time. I often say, turn, take yourself. Are you a complainer? The Bible says give thanks in all things, be, not because of all things, but in all things. But this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. I've got a reason to be thankful because of Christ Jesus. Malcontented people. Here's another kind of a person that can really sound the alarm in your ear of, of, of depression. Memory laners can drain you of your joy. These are people that live in the past. Listen to what the scripture says in verses 4 and 5. We remember the leeks and the garlic and the cucumbers. It was so much better in slavery. It was so much better when we used to get beaten and, and hang out all night. And It's real interesting when people are memory laners, they have selective memory. They only remember what's convenient about what was good. They don't remember that it was because it was so bad we turned to Jesus. People that live in the past have a way of feeling like it's their obligation to remind you of things that you've done to them in the past, to keep you in the past, because somebody said misery loves company. And so there's some memory laners, the Christians who are constantly talking about the past. I remember when I used to read my Bible every day. I remember when I used to pray all the time. I remember the miracles God, what is God doing for you now? What about your Bible time? What's your time in the Lord now? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you now? I remember, yeah, you were the top of the class and all that, but we ain't in school no more. This is life. What are people that want to live in the past keep talking about the way it was? And let's make America great again. Great again? Really? Was the past that great? Was it great for everybody? <laughs> so there are people who have memory lanes. They want to take you back when. 
And if you allow them to, you'll find yourself regretting and reflecting on things that God has already delivered you from. The Bible says that he has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. He said, I cast them into the sea of forgetfulness, and I choose. God doesn't even remember stuff we're remembering. He's posted a sign. I don't remember. Off limits. Forgotten. Some of us have a better memory than God. The leeks and the garlics and the cucumbers. We've got high blood pressure, diabetes, and all those other things because of the leeks and the garlic. And now you're feeling better, doing well, but you're focusing on the past. That, that, Mo, that blue Moses is mine. He's listening to these people talking about what they used to have. Here's another type of person that he was dealing with. Minimizers can trigger depression. Verse 6, it says, we have nothing but this manner. <laughs> That's all we got. I, I was enjoying the praise and worship, listening to Johnny Chipley and, and our brother uh, on the drums there, just really uh, being blessed by that. And I, I could hear Minimize say, we don't have a guitar. Where, where, where the trumpets at? Warren was just doom, 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 doom. I'm like, okay, we have this little section up in here. But people that minimize, you will get complaints about what you did wrong, but they will never compliment you about what you did right. They will maximize your weaknesses and minimize your strength. There's some people who will never say you did a good job. I preached at a place one time, and I was candidating for the church, beautiful church, huge in Germantown, and I walk up in there, and there's six people in this huge building, and they asked me, they said uh, before I came, would you give us your text before you come, and so I gave them my text, and uh, it was unusual, and they said, would you send us the outline, I send them the outline, I said, well, these people are serious about who they want to pass, so I get in there, and all six of them have Greek texts. They don't have regular Bibles. They have Greek Septuagint. They have, no, they have the Greek, uh, Koine, the Koine Greek Bible. So as I'm preaching, they're reading Greek. And then after the sermon, they ask me questions, not about the English Bible. <laughs> so in their minds, well, thank God I was prepared that day. I didn't know what I was going to say, so I work hard to get ready. And so I, they were like, they, they, blown, they were blown out of the water. That, I said, but... I wonder why you only have six church members. Beautiful building, paid for. They chased everybody away because they minimized what is important and maximized what is not important. I, we need to be in the habit of encouraging people. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling together of one another as some do, but exhorting, encouraging, stirring up positivity in people as much as it lies within you. Moses was dealing with people who said, all we got is this? I mean, we walked through the Red Sea, yeah. God uh, caused 10 plagues, yeah, and killed the, the firstborn of the Egyptians and spared us, yeah. We left, we were broke when we went there, we left with jewelry, we walked, we, we, you know, uh, uh, we, we came across on dry land, we watched God perform all kinds of miracles, yeah, we shouted for a little bit and praised the Lord for deliverance, like, that's all, that's all? That's all. And so there are people that will minimize the supernatural. 
the, the manna came from God. Sometimes you got to remember that what people are rejecting is not really you. You can take it personal. If you do, you're going to be depressed. But they were rejecting what God had provided. Then there are myopic-minded Christians. They can trigger depression. They, 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 these are people that only can see with the eyes of flesh just what is in front of them, how something affects them. Here's what it says. All we have to look at, all we have to look forward to is more of the same. It ain't going to get better. It's not going to change. Come on, Moses, make us feel better. Come on, Moses, jump, 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 dance the jingle for us, Moses. Come on, Moses, perform another miracle. Come on, Moses, do a break dance for us. Come on, Moses. All we got to look forward to is the same that we saw yesterday, myopic. There are people who are Christians who can't see things ever getting better. The Christians who are in the church and they can see what's not happening. They say, this church is not doing this. This church is not doing that. And all, but you can see what the church is not doing, but that myopic view means that you're only focusing on what others aren't doing rather than by facing what God showed you that so you could do something about it. Am I right about it? Their lack of faith can cause, because of fear can keep you from growing because because depression, the people that are that this fleshly and earthly and operate in the level of their senses, they drain you. I have a saying in my office uh, that says, great people talk about ideas. Average people talk about things. Small people talk about other people. What are most of your conversations about? Paul said, Set your affections on things that are above. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. By now, you ought to be able to look at your issues through the eyes of the word of God. You've been under the word long enough not to be responding in your flesh every time something goes wrong. But when you are carnal and undeveloped spiritually, all you're going to see is how you feel right now. Tomorrow doesn't matter. Why you're going through it doesn't matter. But I hear James says, count it all joy. And if you don't understand why, ask God who gives wisdom to all who ask. All you can do is remember what's happening to you right now. You don't remember. You were delivered from this last week. You don't remember that God gave you an answer in your spirit. He gave you peace. He didn't necessarily change the circumstance, nor does he promise. Sometimes he'll allow you to be thrown into the furnace. Sometimes he'll allow you to go through the fire. But in the spirit realm, you will never be burned. You will never be overwhelmed because no weapon that is formed against you will ultimately prosper because greater is he. We've said this, and the Bible says in him, we are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. Throw me in the flame, but... I'm not bowing. Throw me in the fire. I'm not bowing because I'm going to understand something by the eyes of faith that the Lord, the Lord will be with me. You need to learn from Moses, his experience, how he responded, before how he responded, how, how he ended up letting the Spirit actually 
get, get him and grab him. He listened to their complaints. What are you listening to? I decide before I go to bed, there's certain things I'm not going to watch. I love murder mysteries, detective stories, and 48 hours. I just, I'm, I love autopsies. I don't know why, but if you watch that before you go to bed, you're going to have a problem. He listened to their complaints. He looked at them crying. He said he saw them crying in front of all their tents. What are you looking at? You're around a bunch of people that are complaining and miserable, and, and they ain't, they ain't, they'll tell you and things. Well, let me suggest, oh, I got to go. Uh, I think I got to be at work. Somebody's about to call me. They don't want to hear any solutions. They ain't trying to change. You need to look at people when they're hurting, but you need to look beyond what you can see on the surface and see what the Spirit of God will give you discernment about. Because if you just look on the surface, it's going to wipe you out. You get around people. I go to, when I used to go to funerals as kids, I didn't understand. But if my mom was crying, if everybody around, I'm going to cry too. Like a chain reaction. So he listened to what they, he looked, he listened to what they were saying. He looked at them. And not only did he look, but he lost his focus. Moses was distracted when, the people, when he took his eyes off of the Lord and it caused him to be depressed. When you, when you, when you lose your focus, you're going to focus on the problem. Moses said, these people are too much for me in verse 14. You're going to focus on your pain. Why have you afflicted me, your servant? So all you can think about is your pain. When you're not focusing on the Lord, now you focus on the pain. Lord, this is afflicting me. This has burdened me. I'm sad. I'm, I'm miserable. I'm heartbroken. Focusing totally on your feelings. Moses focused on his power in verse 13. Where am I going to get meat for all these people? Well, nobody told Moses to get meat for anybody. How am I going to pay all these bills? How am I going to make everybody feel better? How am I going to fix it for everybody? Depression tells you you, you, you have to do this when you lose your focus on the Lord. Moses also focused on the present. He says, please kill me now. I'm, I'm about, no, 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 no. I got my bags packed. I'm ready to go to heaven. Somebody has defined suicide as a permanent solution for a temporary problem. Whatever you're going through, it will pass. And my prayer used to be for my sons, Lord, let them live long enough to outgrow their foolishness. God has answered that prayer, praise the Lord. But when you're young or when you're going through, you feel like it's never going to get better, and the pain is so great. The only relief you think you can have to stop feeling so bad is to end it. And so people who take their lives, they're actually trying to stop the pain, not cause pain. Now, there are some people who, who want you to be hurt because they made a decision to take their life. The wife who walks in and the husband's hanging in the front room. He knew what time she was coming in. And so he wanted her to know how angry he was at her so that she'd have to be feeling responsible for his decision. I want you to understand something about when people take their life like that, that can become a generational curse. When you do a statistical study from a psychological point, people who have that in their families, it continues. Somebody else does it. And so we want to break that curse. 
I want to say to anybody who's feeling so depressed and sad that they think that they can't go on, your feelings are temporarily. Don't trust your feelings. Trust what God has said. You can get better. And understand, even if you make that ultimate decision to check out, you are harming the people that love you most who have to live with the fact that their child was hurting so bad or their, their, their loved one was hurting so bad, but they couldn't help them. Now, here's how we silence the voice. I've got quite a few things. I want you to write these down. The first thing that you need to do to, to, to get the voice of depression silenced is to understand that Scripture will lift your heaviness. Scripture will lift your heaviness. Sometimes you don't feel like reading, turning pages. Just put it on audible. Just let the word be plain. Here's what the Bible says. So the Lord spoke to Moses. After Moses was saying how bad he felt and how he wanted to die, in verse 16, the scripture says, verse part A, the Lord spoke to Moses. Scripture will lift the heaviness. Here's another thing that will lift the heaviness. The, the support of others will lift the heaviness. God says in verse 16b, gather 70 men of the elders that will help you. Let the elders help you. He chose 70 men to help Moses. So when you're going through and you can't brush your teeth and you don't have strength enough to even get yourself in the shower or roll out of the bed, let somebody come and support you. Sometimes you need to go, I go in and I'll open up the curtain. Curtain's been sitting in darkness for six months or just under the blanket. Just They don't even have strength to pull the blanket down. Strength enough to put, sometimes you have to feed people who are depressed. Let me, let me food feed you. Let me sit with you. And just your presence. And so sometimes you need the support of others who will stand with you emotionally, physically, vocationally. Sometimes you need somebody to come and clean up your house without talking about you. And who will stand with you uh, spiritually. He says, you will not bear this burden alone spiritually. That's what the Lord told Moses. One of the things that the Lord has taught me and I'm still learning is how to delegate, how to get, let people help me. And that, that's a gift from the Lord. So there's some people that can help you. And sometimes, as I've already said, helping is just sitting in silence, holding somebody's hand. Now, some people are not touchy-feely. Don't touch them. Just be there. It's not about you. Somebody got tubes coming here and there. You don't sit on the bed on their tubes and stepping on their oxygen canister. And man, you look bad. Goodness, I thought you were sick, but they didn't tell me you look like that. So support will help you. Scriptures will help you. Supernatural power from God will lift your heaviness. God said, I will do it. This battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. That's the thing the devil doesn't under. He underestimates and, keep, and, and, and causes you to eliminate God out of the equation. God said, Moses, I will do this. The people need food. I will do this. The people need chastisement. I will do this. Just step out of the way. And just like I parted the Red Sea for you to bring you to this place, I will part some more Red Seas for you. Supernatural power of God. Surrender to the will of God. Surrendering to his will will lift the heaviness. So Moses went out and he took the people and he told the people the word of God. In verse 24, surrender means that you do what God says. 
I can't shake the foot. The Lord said he do this. The Lord said I will neither, leave, number, I neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord said that I will make every need. I will provide for your every need. The Lord said it. And so surrender said, if God said it, that settles it. Stop isolating yourself and change your routine. Sometimes I come to church a different way just to come a different way. Men, we are kind of, we are, we, we, are, we are really linear. We can do the same thing every day. And, and this is what wife said. You haven't noticed that I got my hair changed, my hair cut, my this or that. You just, you just weren't paying attention. Doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. We were concentrating on more important. No, no, not that you're not important. I don't know how many times I've driven by different things, and I never noticed that it would change. But you need to intentionally change your routine. Stop doing the routine things. Do something different. I, I Stay away from negativity. Turn off the news. Turn off your social media for a while. Turn on some music. Oh, man, I'm every morning, part of my devotion, I'm going to get me some good music. And I do my little, I, I don't know how to hook it up like the young folks, but I, you know, just random song. I don't know what's coming on that. I've never listened to the whole sound list that I got. And most of them I like, some of them I don't, but I, I like being surprised. Stay away from negativity. People that just want to complain. Here's another one. Start serving others rather than waiting for somebody to serve you. Yeah, if they really cared, they would. They could see I'm about to fall out. They could see how sad I am. They could know. I, I, the best thing that you can do sometimes about becoming better and how you feel is to do something. God told told, told Cain in, in chapter four. He said, Cain, if you do right, you will feel right. Your will will dictate to your feelings. If you do what is right, you will feel right. Don't wait till you feel right to do right. It's the reverse. Submit to your physician and take your medication. Some people have are bipolar. Oh, Christians can't be bipolar. Well, King Saul was. That dude was crazy. There's some, you just go right through the scriptures. Uh, I don't know that Pe Peter had mental health problems, but he was obsessive compulsive. Every time you turn around, he had, he had hoot, mouth, foot disease. He always put his foot in his mouth. And here's the beautiful thing. The Bible doesn't hide any of this. David was chronically depressed. When he fell into adultery with Bathsheba in chapter 32, you read that. He said, night and day, your hand was heavy upon me. I, my, I waxed, he said, I, I, I aged prematurely. Sometimes we are depressed because we're in sin. So a solution that was stop sinning and feel better. David said, but when I confess my sins, Oh, I felt my help coming. When I told you I was sorry, when I realized you'd seen it in the first place, and I, and I presented it before you, and I said, Lord, restore in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. Wash me with hyssop. I found my strength coming. I found my joy returning. The heaviness was lifted. Sometimes the depression that you're under is not because 
somebody did something to you is because you're doing something that displeases God and you're never going to feel right as a Christian until you do right. Submit to your physician. If you are on medication, one of the things that happens when people who have schizophrenia, they don't feel like they need it. And they, they do well and they take off and then they, next thing you know, they kill 10 people. If you got medication, God says, those who are sick need what? A physician. Slow down and take care of yourself. That's one of the things that so many people, depression, when you're burned out, you will have a downtrodden, broken spirit. Sometimes you need to go in the gym so you can get buffed like Evan on me. You know, more like me. <laughs> yeah, it used to be a muscle right there. Amen. It's here right now. I got the muscles in there. Yeah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But, but it's working out in the gym, going for a brisk walk, walking and seeing the trees and the creation of God. And you know, it doesn't always happen by food, but if food helps you feel better. That's my drug of choice. No, 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 that, 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 that seemed to help me feel better. <laughs> amen, amen. I heard a story some time ago as we close. There was a man who was just extremely, extremely depressed to the point of suicide. And he said, doctor, he said to a psychiatrist, he said, I find no joy in life at all. I'm married, but I'm not happy. I've got more money than I've ever thought I would have in my life. I live in a wonderful neighborhood, great neighbors. People speak highly of me. But I find myself in a spirit of despair and at a drop of the hat I'm crying. I find myself wanting to be alone and more and more I feel like my life is meaningless and I should end it. So after a few sessions he continued to repeat the same cycle of, of just brokenness. And the doctor said, I have an answer. I, I, I know exactly what to tell you to do. He says, there's a clown that's in town and he's down at the circus and his name is Papa. He said, man, I'm a psychiatrist. I don't laugh at anything. He said, Papa makes me laugh. He makes my wife and my children laugh. He makes old and young. If you hear pop up, you will not be depressed again. And the man looked at the doctor and said, I'm pop up. I want you to understand as you stand that smiling faces, smiling faces tell lies. Oh, I'm glad you made it to church today, but that don't mean that you aren't depressed. That doesn't mean that you don't feel isolated and unloved and, and that you don't think like Moses, I'm wretched. I haven't accomplished anything. My life has not really panned out the way that I wanted to pan out. And you find yourself just in the throes during this holiday season, broken relationships with your family, problems in your marriage, problems with your finances, prospect that on Christmas Day when the greatest gift of all was given, you'll be opening up gifts if you get any at all you'll be alone and yes you smile, God is good oh my God, God is good but if you could really be honest you would admit the voice of depression 
controlling you. And so as we stand before the Lord today, we're believing God to break that spirit of depression. We're believing that God has brought us to this place today to hear this word, to understand that he has a solution to what ails us. We are believing that if we simply humble ourselves, the Bible said we confess our sins one to another, that we should bear one another with. There ought to be somebody in the body of Christ that you can be honest with, that you can be transparent with, that you can say, I'm hurting. Could you just pray with me? Would you just hold my hand? Could you make a commitment to call me? I, nobody calls me. Nobody visits me. I don't get invitations. And yes, I'm smiling, but I'm hurting. So as we stand before the Lord today, let us understand that that voice is yelling, but we can silence the voice of depression. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we lift up our voices to you right now. Father, I'm just praying for those who are just experiencing heaviness of heart. Their bones are waxing, taking them into a a place of physical and emotional frailness. Their strength is almost gone. But I hear you saying, I will do this. Father, I pray that you would speak that word into somebody's spirit right now. The Lord is saying, I will do this. I pray that you would speak into their spirit right now that the Lord, would, that they would hear that the Lord said, you are not alone. Lord, I'm praying right now that you would raise up spiritual support for those who are not in this room right now. Some have been isolated for two years since COVID. Some have physical comorbidities, Lord, that, 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 that are hindering them from coming and being in the presence of brothers and sisters. And Father, you said that it's not good that we should be alone. And so right now, God, we're asking that we would, as we move towards life groups, that, that every church member would know that they are part of the body of Christ and they matter. And we will reach out to them and we will be a part of what God has taken them through. And now, oh God, we continue to lift up this time before you. There may be someone who doesn't know Jesus in the pardon of his sins. Jesus is the one who's the great counselor. He's the prince of peace. You want peace? Anybody want some peace? Well, I, I, I'm standing here to offer you the Prince of Peace, the great counselor. His name is Jesus. I want you to know that everything that would keep you in bondage, that would cause you to feel unworthy, Jesus, when he died on the cross and rose on the third day, broke those chains. He paid for those, paid the full debt by dying in our place. And all you need to do is accept what he's already done. The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Why don't you call on him right now? Lord, I need you. I believe you died for me, that you were buried. And on the third day, according to the scripture, you rose. And you, Jesus, is seated at the right hand of the Father with all power and authority. If that re uh, reflects the desire of your heart, simply repeat this prayer to me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins the very thing that separated me from a holy God, that problem has been solved. Father, I'm accepting the provision that you have made to remedy my sin problem, and that is your, your son, Jesus. 
I believe that Jesus came and lived a sinless, perfect life and died to bear my sins on the cross. Father, I thank you for what he accomplished. And now I receive it by faith, plus nothing else, that Jesus made it possible for me to be a part of your family. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, for removing my problem, providing the provision, and keeping your promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to simply continue to pray for you. If you are a believer who has walked away from the Lord and you want to return to the Lord, rededicate yourself to the Lord, uh, this is the day that you can do that. I'm going to pray for you as well. Or maybe you're someone here who are, are listening to me that wants to become a part of this fellowship. Give us a call. Let one of the leaders know. We'd be more than happy to walk you through the process. Father, in Jesus' name, we do lift up every soul that has said yes. And we join with the angelic host as they rejoice that one who once was lost is now found. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Pastor Heyman's going to worship and